This podcast is brought to you by Erickson Immigration Group. Welcome to Immigration Nerds. Back in February, Associate Attorney at Erickson Immigration Group, Yasmin Mira, seemed to be one of the few practitioners to cover how COVID will affect global travel. We discussed what were the concerns and general landscape at the time of writing her article and how it relates to what companies and employees now should be prioritizing in global mobility today. A snapshot in COVID response, then and now. I'm Ian Gaines. Come and join us Beyond Borders. Quote, to date, there are 73,332 confirmed cases globally, of which there have been 1,870 deaths in China, end quote. That was from February 19th. Broadly speaking, could you describe the social landscape at the time of writing this article and why you felt it necessary to inform travelers to what was developing? Yeah, sure. So... In the beginning of this year, we started to see an increasing concern over what is now known as the coronavirus. Um, the WHO's announcement was really the catalyst for the travel restrictions that followed many months after. Mm -hmm. WHO has been assessing this outbreak around the clock and we're deeply concerned both by the alarming levels of spread and severity and by the alarming levels of inaction. What we started seeing is that a lot of governments really started placing these bans for all travelers from China. And both the northern and southern border have been closed to all non-essential travel. Several big questions are still looming this morning, like how is this going to impact green card holders? How long is the ban going to last? And whether the president even has the constitutional authority to carry it out. You know, as an attorney during this point, you were actually pretty early onto this uh, <laughs> back in, in, in February and even um, beforehand. And actually, at Immigration Nerds, we had a, a discussion in January uh, about that, too. As soon as it hit, we knew that there were going to be some serious uh, travel restrictions. Um, at that point in time, what were some of the major concerns that you were receiving from clients? In early January and February 2020, they were really concerned about their employee populations within China. And rightly so, um, within China, there were many restrictions, there was governmental closures uh, within agencies and offices, trying to understand what employee population in China were um, going through, and also just actually tracking their employee populations within China. You know, many employees travel for, for holidays and vacations. So it was really trying to um, getting a hold of understanding the number of employees that are within China and, you know, whether they needed to leave and how they could leave if they wanted to leave. We cannot say this loudly enough or clearly enough or often enough, all countries can still change the course of this pandemic. If countries detect, test, treat, isolate, trace, and mobilize their people in the response, those with a handful of cases can prevent those cases becoming clusters and those clusters becoming community transmission. So we take that understanding 
from six months ago. And if we fast forward to now, many companies have changed their their policies, whether it's working from home or they'll have a, a staggered schedule where some will come in or, you know, there's been um, lower instances of H-1B applications. Um, so um, how has the global mobility landscape shifted operationally in, in terms of how are companies adjusting to this new reality? So it's really important to note that from the time that the coronavirus began um, to now, um, it's oh. always business as usual for many of these clients. Got it. What that yeah. means is that um, companies did not stop their operations just because coronavirus started. So mm-hmm. it's ongoing. I mean, employees are still working. Um, they've just really managed the situation very well in terms of whether it's moving their employees to work from home policy or scaling down on the business travelers Mm -hmm. um, assignments or local hires that will be sent overseas for work. Those type of things should be initiated from a very early on stage. So planning ahead of time, well in advance, I would say three to four months in advance has been Mm -hmm. sort of where employees' heads are in terms of, you know, determining the next best steps for for employees that need to be sent overseas for work. Um, And also, uh, you know, clients have now understood that what essential work is in terms of do employees really need to be sent overseas or can the work be done at home um, remotely? So just determining and really assessing the essentialness of someone's work has also come into play as well. And also understanding that because of travel restrictions and entry bans of some countries, clients are really now understanding the importance of developing sort of alternative plans for employees. So let's say someone who's on an H-1B status who will be out of work authorization very soon in the U.S. It's very important, important for them to develop sort of a plan in which they can send the employee to two or three other locations that is possible for them. It's really important to kind of outline that plan for that employee and to kind of determine the best places to send to that employee, given their status in the U.S. Yeah, and that's important to plan ahead, (laughs) really. You know, you might not have the ability to travel, right? So you have to look ahead, but at the same time, still be fluid and be able to adjust because we don't know when the next policy might be rolled out, uh, more restrictions from different countries or here in America. So it's, it's great to have a plan three to four months out, but then also be flexible enough to adjust at any given time because <laughs> we're kind of at that point now. We got to stay on our toes. Are there any frequently asked questions? Just trying to get the sort of sentiment at this time of what where people are at. Yeah, with regards to frequently asked questions from clients, um, we get a lot actually due to the coronavirus. I'm sure you do. <laughs> um, so it, it really varies. Um, during during in the beginning, it was more so of you know. Um, can I stay in a certain country um, because of the travel restrictions, you know, or because of the immigration status of a particular person um, and their ability to get on a plane, you know, just as easily before. Um, but now really the, the questions that are really asked are from 
you know, a client perspective, it's really to understand the feasibility of sending particular employees um, to a country. So the feasibility of obtaining work authorization for them, how long um, that work authorization um, will be approved, and also actually physically getting the employee there. So that means you know, whether they need to, um, you know, work with other vendors with regards to, you know, setting up their flights, um, and also if they need to go to any third countries in between, um, just kind of mapping out that plan for that employee. So it's really just kind of understanding the feasibility of obtaining work authorization and then getting the employees to that location. Um, and it goes without saying that um, also as a response to the coronavirus that, um, you know, many employees have adopted a work from home policy. So a lot of um, clients have asked about what this means for, you know, onboarding new hires and how to be compliant with that particular country's onboarding or I-9 compliance, the equivalency of the I-9 compliance. So it, this is a really, really crucial point for companies. Um, during this time, it's really important for companies to um, remain compliant with, the all, with all immigration laws and regulations of a particular country. Um, just because we're in a pandemic does not mean or does not excuse the fact that, you know, compliance companies doesn't mean you can break the law that's that's what you're saying (laughs) so i just robbed a bank yeah Yeah, this is actually (laughs) the time when you know um governments are really looking up companies you know they have their on companies and um you know they we really should be compliant during this time so that is another factor that really should be considered during this time got it so do you have any insider knowledge that you can give our audience in terms of are there any policies put in place being drafted right now to help address these concerns, any immigration policies, um, anything that we can uh, look forward to coming in the near future? What's on the horizon? That's a really good question. So it just really varies from country to country. I will say that many countries have implemented special COVID-related immigration policies. Um, Some are very, very temporary in nature and some are very permanent in nature. (laughs) So um, the the first one that I can think at the top of my head is uh, the U.S. um, in terms of their immigration policies that have been kind of put in place as a response to the coronavirus. And those at this time are temporary in nature, Mm -hmm. but they can be, you know, uh, renewed or extended any at any time. So uh, it just really depends on the country. Um, but there have been significant COVID-related immigration policies depending on the country and also the region. Got it. Got it. So w- when advising H-1B candidates and employers today, what are you sharing to them uh, in order to be proactive during this work permit process? You might have touched upon it a little bit earlier, but um, how are you preparing them for potentially what's to come? It's a really good question. So it's really, really important for employers to really understand what would happen if an H-1B candidate cannot stay in the U.S. for any particular reason right. or can't enter the U.S. for any particular reason. Um, so the first thing to really understand is that while there are really high unemployment rates throughout the world, um, many countries are still welcoming highly skilled migrant workers. And for a lot of employers, um, most of their you know employees are highly skilled employees. So what that means is that you know the U.S. really should not be the only option. That goes without saying that within the realm of global mobility, with an H-1B candidate, 
um, it's really important to have alternatives. So that means, um, you know, consider sending them to Germany, consider sending them to the Netherlands, consider sending them to the UK. Um, and that means really working with their global mobility departments, um, your global mobility immigration attorneys um, to kind of determine sort of an, a specific plan for that particular employee, because um, while it's great to be in the U.S., it shouldn't be the end all be all for, you know, specific employees. Um, and it's not, especially if an employee is very valuable to the company, um, alternatives are certainly, certainly available for them overseas. Thank you to lead researcher Con Branch, assistant producers Luke Bianco and David White, and music by Brandon Williams. Follow Immigration Nerds on Twitter at IMMNerds and Erickson Immigration Group on LinkedIn to join in the conversation. I'm Ian Gaines. See you next week.